This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. John Matip? No. It's Thursday, which means it's time for the front three Q&A. Adam Board here, along with Chris Hennage. Hello. Lawrence McKenna, eating a crunchy. I like a crunchy. We'll come on to that question. We've, we've got a uh, related question coming up very soon. And of course, Statman Dave is here as well. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, thank you for joining us on the front three Q&A podcast. Lots of questions to get through this week, including our Liverpool Spurs predictions, is Jurgen Klopp Brendan Rodgers in disguise? Who should succeed Arsene Wenger at Arsenal? Who is the most overrated player on planet Earth? And is Philip Lahm the greatest fullback ever? Big, ever. big questions, guys. Um, before all that, though, it is time for Hole of the Week. Um, Lawrence, sing me a jingle. Um, hole of the Week. Your defence is terrified. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, of the week this week is not going to uh, a reviewer of the of the podcast on iTunes, although those are always much appreciated. But we have to give a special mention to the one and only Justin, who went above and beyond last weekend, and he came to join us to play five aside. The oh, call yeah. was put out on Twitter. We need. We were a man short. We needed someone to come along. Justin stepped up, stepped into the breach. He was good, actually, wasn't he? It was good. It was fun to have him down there. Uh, good lad. Good game of football. You booted him a few times, though, didn't you? Bolton? Yeah, of course, mate. That's, that's my game. Yeah. That's what I do. You've got to get physical it's, with people. I arrived late and Boltwell came over and went, target that one. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a bit. Fake news, mate, is what I say. Fake news. <laughs> um, Justin, you are the whole of the week. Thanks so much for helping us out. Uh, I think we're going to be doing more five-a-side and stuff, so, you know, it'd be great to get some of you guys down. So if you're in the London area and want to join us to play five-a-side and you're not a crazed maniac, then you are more than welcome to come. That's, um, that's a given. Uh, let's, get into the questions. let's get into the questions. First off, uh, Adam here, great name, says, Can you apologise to Jesus for leaving him off our poll, the player of the week poll, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think we should apologise, Lawrence? I'm not sure about that one. I think we should. I mean, the bit, the big issue is uh, <clears throat> who's the biased fake newser that uh, left him off in the first place? And I think it was the Mkhitaryan base. I think Dave, it was up to Dave. Mkhitaryan took Gabriel Jesus's place, his rightful place, arguably. Do you need to ask no, him for forgiveness? No, no, I, I selected uh, Mkhitaryan ahead of Gabriel Jesus out of it bigger impact on Manchester United's performance against Leicester City. Gabriel Jesus was good, a good component in the side, took both of his goals very well, but Mkhitaryan yeah. pretty much ran the show against Leicester City, so unfortunately my biased opinion means that the Manchester City player was omitted. Let's be hanging out with Housen too much. Jack Kennett said, Liverpool v Tottenham predictions, obviously the big game this weekend, Lawrence. Um, Liverpool obviously off form. Spurs, however, haven't won away at a top six side this season. Are you feeling confident going into this one? I mean, Liverpool do have the best form of any of the uh, top, or Liverpool now fifth, top six. We have to call it a top six because United are in it then. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, playing other top six teams. So uh, I think Liverpool have got a bit of a reputation uh, to play well against those certain sides. I'm not saying that I'm particularly confident because I think the side is quite low on confidence right now, uh, speaking from a Liverpool perspective. But I do think that... Um, 
I'll be interested to see because Spurs have actually been quite good and they, they played that very well against Chelsea uh, when I say they've been quite good they've been quite good at playing against the side uh, and finding their weaknesses and I think that you know Spurs played it very well played three at the back when they needed to um, and they, they could exploit the same against Liverpool just sit back and then try and snatch a goal and arguably Spurs are in better form and better confidence to be able to do so How badly are Liverpool playing right now, Dave? I mean, are there any stats that we can use to look at to uh, to look at this recent form? Um, well, I think the, the most interesting one that I've seen recently was that Liverpool, in terms of the, the tackles that they're winning in the opponent's half, you know, under Jurgen Klopp, it was a big trend. As soon as he came in as manager, Liverpool were top of that in the Premier League by a country mile. And what we've seen recently, the intensity's dropped off. And in terms of now Spurs and, in fact, Crystal Palace, have um, won more tackles in the opponent's half than Liverpool. So it's one of those things where the intensity's dropped, they're not winning enough the same amount of ball that they were, and those turnovers are, are vital for, for scoring goals. As Jürgen Klopp has said before, Gagan Pressing is a playmaker within the side. So maybe that's something that they need to look out for. It's that aggression and, and the ability to nick the ball back, which potentially they're, they're losing. Another one that's quite interesting in terms of 2017, again, only uh, Burnley, Palace, Southampton and Middlesbrough have scored fewer goals than Liverpool. But, you know, on the contrast to that, those teams are quite defensive compared to Liverpool, who have had the highest average possession of the game in 2017. So too much of the ball, not enough intensity off the ball. Um, and they just need to, to, you know, find, get their rhythm back, I think, in an attacking sense. Some people call them a, a mentality problem. Um, <clears throat> or Very mental... Spursy. Uh, I don't quite... Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I quite get that reference. Um but the, I mean, uh, some people are calling that mentality problem, uh, and basically that Liverpool are not putting in the intensity when they're out on the pitch, which is what leaves Jurgen Klopp uh, frustrated. But I, I'm not sure I agree with that because I think Jurgen probably would have referenced that publicly if that was the case. You know, sort of, we've not seen the effort from the players, etc., uh, etc. Et I think he's told the players they, you know, or has worked out that this set, this group won't be able to go a whole season with that sort of intensity. And the fact is, I think that actually Liverpool haven't needed to play that intensely in every game. Um, you know, they, they've spurned uh, more than enough chances and um, haven't played so terribly. You know, it's not it's not been bad play in that sense. It's just been that Liverpool have frustrated themselves and, like Dave says, not has not had the intensity um, or synergy that maybe they needed. And I think that maybe that's, pro- that's probably the best news that Liverpool fans can hold on to right now, that it doesn't look awful. Do you know what I mean? There are starting to be a few question marks over Jurgen Klopp though Lawrence I mean what have you made of some of the decisions that have been uh, have been questioned of his in terms of lineups I don't think he's been that far off I think a few people have criticized maybe the omission of one or two individuals for instance uh you know having John Matip in the squad but then not using him maybe because he's he's not played for a little while a full 90 minutes um uh, maybe making substitutions or not changing things well enough then you'd argue that could also have been down to the players that he used. And then some people tactically criticising him um, for things that I think... I, I mean, very often I th- what I find with analysis, the analysis of Liverpool is some people think that they should be playing in a certain way and so the analysis becomes prescriptive rather than analytical. And so people say, well, they need to be doing this or they need to be doing this. And you sort of think, well, if that was the case, then why aren't those players even... Why, why are those players not even making any attempt if that's what they're being told to do? Um, so I think sometimes the analysis is sort of retrofitted to work out what Jürgen's doing wrong. And I'm not 100% sure that it's Klopp's tactics or sort of Klopp's mentality, which is the problem at Liverpool right now. I think there's a lot to do with the players. And I mean, I've got to admit, I do think the mentality side of things is quite interesting at Liverpool. I think what he had at Dortmund was something that seemed like a very highly motivated squad, a select individuals that he really trusted um, and really motivated in certain ways I think he has that in this Liverpool team but I also think there's certain players in there who I'm not saying they phone it in when they're on the pitch but there are times where you can see the gagan press or the pressing isn't enacted maybe in the effective way that you'd like to see it um, and at the same time I think you know there are some very easy uh, excuses that maybe Jürgen can make for instance you know not having a consistent back line but then there's only one person to blame for that and that's maybe Klopp I still think he's got to develop a flexibility, though. I think there's an issue with that. But if you look, oh at- yeah, t- I, completely. I think he's not. You know, he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not equipped his players well enough to be flexible. And the, and the funny thing is, we're talking about Klopp, and I know we'll come talk on Wenger maybe a little bit. But you look at those two, and and 
granted that maybe the perceptions are different, but I still think they've got similar root issues, which is neither is able to really diversify their style that much. And I I tweeted something out when, when Arsenal were beaten by Chelsea and said that if you look at the last time this game was played and Chelsea got hammered, Conte changes the system drastically. Whereas Arsenal have had, to my knowledge and from looking it up, the same 4-2-3-1 for pretty much every Premier League game. Now, admittedly, some people came back and said, well, actually, it was a 4-3-3 and all. And I'm looking, thinking, well, realistically, watching the first half back, it's a 4-2-3-1 with Ozil dropping a bit deeper when they're not in possession. So I, I think you look at Wenger and you look at Klopp, more importantly, who we're discussing at, this, at the minute, I just think he needs something that, that doesn't rely so much on the opposition coming out because there's going to be a lot of instances at Anfield where teams aren't going to want to do that. They're going to want to sit deep and contain. And I find it really interesting that some of the biggest and best results they've had under Klopp have been against the elite. So the likes of Man City, where they beat them in the eight. Whereas the games that they've well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, mm, they've been against this... sides, like, like Swansea, for example. That's a great example of a team that is... came with a, a defensive mentality and essentially negated the Gagan press or the, the pressing in general. And I, and I see what you're saying there, but then at the same time, Liverpool had, I think it was one of the highest possessions of, it was 80, 82%, maybe 78%. I know that they had the highest possession they've had in a very long time against quite a few sides recently. And I do think that falls on Klopp. I don't know if that's formationally though. I think a lot of the time Liverpool have um, played a side that you think, well, this team can cope. This team should be able to cope with, you know, a counter-attack. And I think, you know, there've been a few counter-attacking goals where you think, well, actually, the players are making very poor decisions there. I don't know if that's uh, so much a formational thing. I think players have, you know, you could you could say that against, um, who was the last team they played, they counter-attack Hull, and against possibly Plymouth as well, and, and one or two other sides in between where they've been counter I, th- I think that's fair. I think I've slightly misspoke there State in relation decision-making. to... I think I've slightly misspoke in relation to formation and playing style. I think you talk about the possession, that's the other thing as well. I I don't know how good this Liverpool team and maybe the midfield, because that's who's most likely to do it, is at breaking down teams. I I think you have the likes of Lallana and people like that who can be very good in tight spaces. But when it comes to actually playing through the lines... How well can they do that when those lines are quite compact? I think that's something maybe that, that Klopp needs to work on and, and maybe address in the summer. I don't know how you necessarily do that. Maybe you find a Gundogan-type player who can can quickly play through lines or something like that. I, thought, I think he's also tried to, he's tried to uh, find a, t- a team with grit and a team, well, I know grit's an intangible, a team and players that you describe them as gritty or able to force um, an attacking situation. But I think they've also been mixed in with players who, and possibly a mentality in the squad at times where Liverpool are looking for the perfect move. And there are times where Liverpool, every game you can identify two, maybe three moves where Liverpool have a beautiful set of passing. The movement all comes off perfectly. The players look satisfied. They've got a swagger. Five minutes, maybe six minutes. And then it goes again. And I think that's partly that, that. Very little of that will be down to Klopp. I think a lot of that is down to the players out on the pitch. And the problem is, I think, you know, Adam, you're gonna, your next question will be, is he uh, Brendan Rodgers in disguise? When Brendan, Rod- when Brendan Rodgers left and Jurgen Klopp came in, we identified on this podcast, he needs to get more consistency and he needs to make sure that he takes some of those mental issues and, and maybe errors out of the squad that Brendan suffered from and ultimately maybe lost Liverpool the title challenge and maybe lost Liverpool one or two other opportunities. And so far, and people say, you know, it's got exactly the same record or it's scary how close it is. It's, that's, that is true. But at the same time, I think there are big off and on field um, leaps that have been made at Liverpool, which you could argue separate him from Brendan and give Liverpool a better future. It is an interesting question. It comes in from Football Daily's very own Chris Hamill. Um, it's not quite <laughs> is Jurgen Klopp, Brendan Rodgers in disguise. But Dave, let's get your thoughts on this one. They say, uh, with an identical record to Rodgers after 54 games, has Liverpool's progress under Klopp been overstated? What do you make of that? I don't think it's been overstated. You know, he got to a final of a major European trophy. And unfortunately, they did dominate that first half of that final. But, you know, Unai Emery made some really good tactical changes and changed the game. Um, and Sevilla were a lot better in that second final. That wouldn't have happened under... Um, under Brendan Rodgers. They wouldn't have come back against Borussia Dortmund against Brendan Rodgers. 
that takes a different type of manager. And I think that's what Klopp is. Klopp is a different type of manager than Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers played some really good football. Um, the style was really good. But in the long term, it kind of died. And i kind of seen it going the other way with Klopp. I think Klopp needs to make some signings. He needs to be a bit more ruthless with his squad. I think there is a few players in there that need to be moved on and replacements need to be bought to take Liverpool to uh, the next stage. But no, I think Jurgen Klopp is a far better manager than Brendan Rodgers ever will be or ever was at Liverpool. So I think it's, again, it's a it's an adaptability thing from Jurgen Klopp. You know, 54 games is nothing if Liverpool want to, um, you know, stick to the contract that they gave him. And if they do do that, they will get results. And it's, it's a big thing. It takes time for a manager to adapt to the Premier League from a different division. And 54 games is still quite small. You know, three years, and then we, we'll come back and we'll say uh, Brendan Rodgers versus... Because, again, stats... What's a bit frustrating at the moment or, you know, in the last year or so is stats are, are used to, to beat people. They're used to uh, stick to beat people. Um, and that's what gets retweets and that's what gets likes. And it's a frustrating thing where any, you know, if there's anything, any bad management records in the past, they'll instantly be, be brought up. Like, for example, uh, Mourinho with David Moyes, with Louis van Gaal, you know, that's going to come back and back and back. And that is just to get clicks. It's a little bit clickbaity in its own right. And I think that record, the comparison of the record is, in a way, you can think of the Brendan Rodgers' start of his campaign was really good. You know, the start of his Liverpool's career was good. So that is what we should be comparing it to. The start of Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool were good. The start of Jürgen Klopp, uh, Liverpool have been pretty decent. So I think that's a better way to look at it. Not that it's a bad thing and it's a stick to be Jürgen Klopp with. Mm, fake news in many ways. Um, it's an, going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm confident of a Spurs win, I think, with Danny Rose missing. <laughs> and now missing. two minutes on Spurs. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just going to do very briefly because, you know, the Spurs are flying, mate. We're doing well. Um, yeah. Liverpool haven't won. More, more interesting than Liverpool. Liverpool haven't won in five Premier League games now. So, obviously, a big game for them. Of course, Manchester United could overtake them this weekend, bumping Liverpool down to six. As I was saying, you know, with Danny Rose missing, it is a big blow for Spurs. Hopefully, it's not as bad an injury as feared, and he could be coming back sooner. But for this weekend, that could be something for Sado Mane to exploit. I think midfield's obviously going to be very interesting with, you know, Victor Wanyar up against Henderson. Big game for the captain there. So, I think that could be uh, could be a potential deciding factor. But, I'm going to go, Lawrence, for 2-1 to Spurs. Um, what, are you, what are you saying? Very difficult to disagree, but I'll probably go 1-1. One, one. Hmm. Score prediction, Chris? 2-1 Liverpool, I think. Seriously, yeah? Fair enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're going to lose, Adam. You're going to lose. And the only, the only reason I say that is because I don't think Pochettino's side sits off. I think they... In, in that sense, I think the first 20, 25 minutes are a very scrappy, almost cagey affair in which there's not a huge amount of connected possession. And both teams sort of essentially run at each other and try and, and press the most effectively. Dave? Uh, one all, I reckon. Liverpool have been competitive in these bigger games, but I think the pressing will counter itself out. And I think it will actually be quite a boring game, unfortunately, because that's what we've seen with teams that have pressed each other in, in the last year or so uh, with intensity. It just means the quality of the football's down because players don't have much time on the ball. So, yeah, I'm going to go one all. There is, of course, another big game going on this weekend. Swansea v Leicester. Uh, Sunil Bagger writing in. Who will win this relegation? Is it a three-pointer? Is it a six-pointer? Is it a nine-pointer, Chris? I mean, You only get three points per game. Yeah, well, metaphorically speaking, uh, who's your money on, Chris? Swansea, I think. Um, Clement's army, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just think I, I was talking to someone in the week about this. The idea that again, too much has changed for Leicester, and it wasn't the players. That was what they needed to change. Realistically, was the playing staff. Whereas you look at even against Derby, the team plays very differently to the, the way it did last year. It's not nearly as compact. It's not nearly as as deep. They've tried to be more expansive this season. I think because. Again, for the most part, their opponents haven't sat off them in the same way or, or haven't engaged them, sorry, in the same way. And I, I think that in turn has highlighted a lot of the frailties, which is Wes Morgan and Robert Huth are not what you would consider modern defenders. They're actually what? real throwbacks. Um, you look at the fullbacks as well. I, I don't think they're nearly as, as attacking enough or comfortable on the ball. Danny Simpson's quite poor technically. Um, and then... You move up the field to the likes of Mares, who, for me, doesn't look bothered um, when I watch him. Too often, he, he's quite happy to, to throw the towel in. There's not much industry there. And I think he could get away with that last season when 
perhaps he had a, a series of teammates or a set of teammates that could do that work for him. But now, again, people are going to be a bit more aggressive with him. They're going to approach him in a much more targeted way. And he just doesn't seem up for that battle at all. He, he seems very laissez-faire about the whole thing. And I think, it, to me, it speaks of a player that, realistically, they should have looked to sell in, in the summer. I, I know at the time a lot of people said that's a huge... Um, a huge positive for Leicester that they managed to keep Vardy and, and Mares and those players. I, I think they should have done everything they could to cash in on this. And I know um, Dave's spoken of this as well, because it, it just makes sense that they're not going to replicate that form. And now is the perfect time or now would have then would have been the perfect time to transition into a brand new team. I, I think what's really telling as well was that Cashbush Michael interview. Because he talked about, you know, the fact that it's not good enough, the the standard isn't there and all this kind of thing. And he was asked specifically about Ranieri and didn't give him the sort of backing you would expect. He 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 said a lot by saying nothing. And again, the vote of confidence that followed not long after, you put all of those things together, and to me it speaks to a squad that again is not a fan of their current manager. And the thing is as well, is that if you look at Ranieri, and we've talked about this before, that second season is a big slump for him. Mm, I mean, there are these reports of discontent, Dave, coming out now that are quite worrying. It seemed unthinkable not too long ago that Ranieri could get sacked. But Mike Fryers tweets in saying, do you think Ranieri will make it to the end of the season? And will Leicester go down, Dave? Uh, I think that he will make it to the end of the season. He deserves to make it to the end of the season. What uh, you know frustrates me is the players haven't come out in support of Claudio Ranieri. You know, last season they were backing him, yeah, doing all the great things. And it's when Ranieri needs the support of the players, he needs the back end of the players, he needs someone to come out and say, look, Ranieri knows what he's doing, Ranieri's got this. And they, it just feels really, Leicester feels such a different, a contrast of last season, they feel like they're not together. Whereas they should be together, they won the bloody Premier League together. So quite frankly, it's, it's bad form from a lot of those players. It's bad form for, for Schmeichel for not voicing his... Um, support for the manager, you know, someone like Jamie Vardy coming out, Mares coming out. It's one of those things where I think the players have, have got a lot to answer for. Why they're not playing at that same level? Why they're not thinking about a different way to unlock a defence and so forth? And yes, it's it, the manager can be um, to blame in terms of his team selection and, and so forth. But his team selection has been pretty similar to what it was last year. Obviously, Old Brighton's been pushed out of the team slightly, and that could be a potential issue in terms of their compactness. But the likes of Mares and Vardy, they've got to be looking at themselves here that they're not at that same level. Um, and same with someone like Danny Drinkwater, and maybe they could come up with a solution for the manager. Say, look, boss, let's play free in midfield. Let's let's try and dominate the ball a bit more. Let's let's try and unlock teams holding possession deep, and maybe play a bit higher. Maybe if there's another centre back there, maybe playing that Ndidi as a centre half instead of a defensive midfielder to give them a little bit more legs and physicality at the back. Given that Wes Morgan and Robert Hood have looked very slow this season, you know, there's more responsibility than just on the manager in a situation like this, a relegation battle. And I feel like certain people haven't done their role at the football club and it's a little bit embarrassing. Are they going to go down there, Dave? It's a difficult one. Last week we said yes. Uh, at the moment, I think no. I think Ranieri, will, they will have enough. They've got enough quality there. But then it, the problem is there's so many sides that at the moment look like they're gonna, they can stay up. The likes of Hull, the likes of Swansea look... Um, combat, uh, com you know, they look like they've got enough in their side in terms of management and structure and that forth. And then you look at Palace, they're staying up. So it is so hard. I think they're going to stay up, though. Interesting question here, uh, based on that, from Osbert Ferreira Roche Moore, long-time listener. Uh, if Leicester do go down, then which of their players, if any, do you think Premiership sides would look to buy next year? It's an interesting one, Lawrence, because as Chris said, there is the feeling that for some of those players, like Mahrez, like uh, Vardy, last season was an outlier. Do you think Arsenal, for example, would be back in for Vardy this summer if indeed Leicester do go down? <clears throat> no, I don't think they'll be back in for Vardy. I think that was Vardy's boat. Um, <clears throat> although, <clears throat> um, I think there are going to be a couple of guys in there. I mean, <clears throat> uh, Morgan and Hooth are both still very experienced central defenders who will probably find the right level in the championship. I think they'll, they'll be... No, no, I, <clears throat> I don't think that's... Um, I don't think that's that insulting at this point, is it? Casper Schmeichel might be one of those players. Maybe um, Fuchs is probably one they'll, they'll try and move on. I reckon Moose is probably one of the players um, who will, w would not survive so well. And maybe Ak Okazaki. I, I definitely think Okazaki is one of those players. 
What about Mares, Chris? Because I mean, you were talking about him there. Do you think who do you think potentially he would suit going to next summer if indeed he did move on finally? The thing is that the suit has massively dropped from what we were talking about in the summer. Um, I know Jared De La Fer has just gone to, to Italy with Milan and and managed to set up a goal this week. I'd be very interested to see how Mares would fit in in Italy, where perhaps things are are less physical but more tactical. Um, in general, I still want to see more of Mares because I can't tell just how good he is yet. It's that season really did sort of displace my, my opinion of him because the first season I thought okay he's got some potential but he's not a, a world beater and then he has that great season where you would say that's his peak so you have to try and find the the middle ground with him it, again I think you have to question how much Leicester would ask because they're going to look at it and say well these players you know just won the Premier League so we can ask 15-20 million one guy who I don't think will get much talk but I think could be a pretty shrewd pickup for some teams is Wilfred Ndidi. I know he just joined in January, but I think he's got the potential to be a really, really good central midfielder. And if they were to go down, I would be very tempted to offer Leicester a chance to make their money back on him, if if nothing else. Although, how tempting that is to them, it, it would probably depend on what other saleable assets they have alongside it. Do you think if, um, <clears throat> say there was a question over whether he did sign for a team or not, and someone said, do you, do, 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 have we signed that player today? Was, was, is, he, is he on the books? And they say, yes. And they say, well, has he signed? And they say, yes, indeed he did. Oh, that was laboured. That was laboured. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Um, interestingly, uh, Mares, there were reports that yes, he was, he was uh, being linked to a move to Spurs. Spurs apparently made an inquiry towards the end of the January transfer news. So it'd be interesting to see if the likes of Spurs or other Premier League clubs do eye a cut price deal if indeed Leicester do go down at the end of the season. Um, could be a confidence thing. Could, could indeed. Um, there is another bottom of the table clash this weekend, Lawrence. Um, Stoke versus Palace. Mike Bridges getting to the yeah. big question about that game. Uh, how fun is Sacco's hair and is it too fun? Important, important question. Uh, my, my, I was sort of thinking about this earlier in the week. Does for for a player who's sort of been on the down, he's had a lot of fun haircuts. I mean, I like his positivity, but at the same time, Adam, you're gonna think... have a fun haircut, aren't you, mate? Yeah, mate, uh, to be fair, Adam, it probably will match. That's that just, you know, like, that's just steady on. There's a bit of time to go yet. It's not a foregone conclusion. We're talking about Sacco at the moment, though, Dave. Just, just wind your neck in, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, what is Sacco's? What is Sacco's hair at the moment? Is it something I could, uh, it's could blonde, copy? Very, very blonde. No, no, it's very blonde. Yeah, bleach um, blonde. Bleach blonde. Only a prick gets bleach blonde hair, don't they, Adam? Only a prick who makes uh, wild bets. I'd say. Maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe, maybe his stupid. Maybe he bet lost was, a bet. You, yeah, I bet you Zlatan doesn't get 15 goals this season in the Premier League. I'll dye my hair blonde if you. And here we no, are. I think I think it, I think it looks nice. Um, there, there's got to be a change at Palace, though. I mean, it's I mean, they, you know, Dave and I have spoke spoken uh, quite a lot this week about Palace on a few different shows. There's been, I mean, it, it, as much as saying he's going to turn it round, Big Sam's going to turn it round. This has probably got to be one of those games where you look at it and think, well, this has got to be that one of those games, then. He's got to show that he can uh, lock another team out, break on them, and use the assets that they have to get forward and score. And it, it doesn't it doesn't fill me with confidence at the moment. Um, but we'll see with Palace. I'm, I'm a bit upset that Palace might go down. Why would um, it be upsetting? Uh, just been been there a few times. Quite like the fans. Um, you know, they are they're quite a presence in the Premier League, and I think the Premier League needs. Um, more grounds and more sets of fans which are vocal and loud and have a genuine supporter base that, you know, care about them. Although maybe the championship needs that too. Here is a fantastic question from Vishal. He said, Philip Lahm, is he the best fullback ever? Um, obviously the Bayern Munich captain announcing his retirement this week at the age of 33. He's going to be uh, stepping away at the end of the season. Chris, what do you reckon? Lam, best ever fullback over the likes of Cafu, Taram. Well, he is a great leader, but then also he is a great player too. So, who is he? Do you know what I mean? Who great is he indeed? Uh, that's the thing. That's... I, th- I, th- I think, you know what strikes mm. or sticks out most for me with Lam is just how dependable he is. I know that doesn't sound like the greatest compliment you can play a footballer, but his ability to so consistently perform 
it is arguably unrivaled in a fullback. There's not many I can think that again produced so week in week out as he did. And and I think the thing is with that, I always look at like Peter Schmeichel in the '90s as another example of this. Is that when you have a player like that in your team, whatever position, whether it be right back, goalkeeper, that breeds a confidence in everyone around you because you think, well, if I give the ball to Lahm or you know there's a shot against Schmeichel there's a good chance that either we keep the ball or in Schmeichel's case he saves it and I think that just changes the way that everyone around them plays and and when it comes to an, analysing and assessing who are the really great players you have to think it's those who raise the level of those around them whether it's their ability or just their confidence and ability to play football in general 501 appearances so far by Munich 7 Bundesliga titles Six German Cups and one Champions League title, as well as the, the World Cup, of course. So uh, quite an illustrious career. I think, right, Philip Lahm's consistency and his ability to play at Bayern Munich for such a long time and, and Germany and so forth has definitely put, put him up there as one of the best fullbacks ever. The only thing that I'd say has cost him a little bit in his career was Pep Guardiola's messing about with him and putting him in central midfield. I felt like before... Guardiola went to Bayern Munich. Lahm was standout with Dani Alves, the two best right-backs in the world. And unfortunately, I think that took a little bit of hit on his career in terms of how he he could have been remembered as a fullback, putting him into midfield and, and having a little bit of, you know, that experimental time with him wherever he was playing. But I'd put, yeah, I'd put, put him ranked number two behind Dani Alves, best right-backs that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Wow. Um, another great question here from Gabriele Frascaria. Lovely name. Um, Favourite football kit ever? When you say it like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, favourite football kit ever, Lawrence? Have you got a favourite football kit? There's a lot of... I like a nice dark kit. Uh, I've got a lot of kits. I like the black kits. Um, Love the black kits. you got a nice PSG black one. That, that was a decent one. Um, lovely kit. I think my favourite kit ever is... I'm going to go for England Euro 1996. It's got a lot of nostalgia really? about it. It's got a bit of history... I love that kit. The goalie kit as well, if you chuck that in. God, yeah. That was a mad kit. That was a special. So I think that's my favourite kit. You know, I've got a lot of... Really? Yeah, if you're going to go and buy an England shirt now, I wouldn't go and buy the brand of England shirt. I'd go and find a replica version of the 96 shirt. It's a great shirt. You know what? You make a great point. Thank you. That... That time in the 90s was a great time. There is... I I was looking through old Juventus kits the other day. Juventus had a of kits and they've like <clears throat> if you look at Juventus kits from sort of 80 1980 practically up to 2000 some of them don't even have the um the the, the club badge on the front they have it on the arm or somewhere a little bit inventive and it's quite there's something quite alluring about it it's a really good look don't know about that don't know about that oh mate look up the kit it is lovely uh, Juventus 1998 is a beautiful kit Oh, uh, Chris have you got any shouts for your favourite ever football kit the one I nearly bought recently I nearly bought the Red Bulls away one which is like a yellow and blue yeah. um, I, do, I do tend to prefer darker kits so the one of the favourite ones I've got is a Pastore Palermo one that's got like a pink trim on it um, I'm trying to think of any others uh, oh, I got a Zenit one a couple of years ago with our Sharvin on. That's quite nice as well. I, I quite like the ones that, that are slick. I tend not to, to get the striped ones, which is funny considering that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Support a team that wears stripes, but um, yeah, other than that, I'm trying to think of any other really sort of Major ones. 
There were some classic new. There were some classic Newcastle kits, though, weren't there, Chris? Yeah, massively. Back when there's they had a, Newcastle brown owl on their shirts. That's when. That's what it was. Yeah. Like. There's some really nice USA ones as well. There was like a blue and white pinstripe one that was quite nice. Um, the bef- a couple of years before that, there was a one they wore at Wembley that was kind of like a grey, like a charcoal colour. That was yeah. really nice. Um, I'm trying to think of any others, really. Think about Newcastle. Didn't Newcastle also have um, the picture of Newcastle on the goalkeeper's kit with uh, Newcastle Brownell? There was like the out, you yes. know, the silhouette. Yeah, so it was the goalkeeper kit. Oh God, was it Kenny? Ninety-five. No, I think it's a little bit after that. I want to say like 96, 97. But it had so the blue, so the Newcastle Brownell blue star has sort of the silhouette of the time bridge and everything on. And then the goalkeeper kit expanded that and it was kind of an orangey sunset colour oh, was the sky. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had that goalkeeper shirt and I was wearing it when a bird pooed on me. <laughs> so I have oh. mixed memories of that. What, so he's burned it or something? No, uh, I washed it. Makes sense. It does make sense. Uh, <laughs> Dave, have you got any uh, shouts <laughs> for your favourite kits? Into Milan with the dragon. Ah. A recent one. I said I like that one. That is uh, a decent choice. I like the zebra UV kit this year as well. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that is a good one. Inter Milan. Didn't Real Madrid also have a dragon, which was a good one? I think they might have. It, it might have been the same. Signed by kit Y3, design, wasn't it? Adidas is the. Is it no. Yamamoto? The guy. Yeah, Yamamoto. Yeah. Uh, and they. Yeah, that was a very special kit. You couldn't. I couldn't find a long sleeve version of that anywhere. Dead easy on eBay now. I'm all, to be honest, that's one of my pastimes is sitting on eBay looking at old kids. You have a great life. Um, can you help me out there, Chris? <laughs> Can't all live in London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever gets you off. Great question here from Ajdnan. Uh, at two eight L five L, who are the most entertain? Who is the most entertaining team in Europe's top five leagues? Monaco and Napoli. A shouts. He's not wrong, Dave. Uh, Monaco, I believe, have scored a hundred goals in all competitions this season. The top scorers in Europe's big five leagues. I like both those sides, and they're they're very um, very different in how they play football. Monaco is a lot about. A 4-4-2, two strikers. A lot of their attacking play comes down the wings. You know, the fullbacks play as wingbacks. They've got a very combative central pairing in midfield. Uh, Bakayoko, who's going to be playing for one of the top, Europe's top five top clubs in a way, top five clubs, let's say. Um, following the summer, Fabiano, who's been Fabinho, sorry, has been linked with Man United for about a decade. Um, very, very good central midfielders. Uh, Defence is very, very good. Yeah, very, very good to watch. Good at on the break, counter attack very quickly. Napoli. Dave, how have they scored so many? Uh, how, a, they, how have Monaco scored so many? They score a lot of goals from crosses. They score a lot of goals from interplay, from you know, the likes of Bernardo Silva, Lamar picking the ball up from the edge of the area, playing one twos or just getting shots away. They're really, really good. They score a lot on the break as well. A lot of teams, mm. uh, you know, when Monaco have taken a lead, they'll try and come on to Monaco, and then Monaco just, you know, that's exactly where they sort of want their opposition. Because I think they've got two central midfielders that can carry the ball quite well and evade tackles. The likes of Bakayoko, not a Paul Pogba-esque dribbler who's going to you know, trick you like a schoolboy dribbler, let's say. He's a powerful dribbler where it will burst past you and then he'll give, you know, a lot of momentum to the attack and give it to one of the creative players. It's quite quite simple what they do, but they do do it very, very well. In terms of Napoli, that's like more short passing, high tempo, but some of the goals they've scored this season have been absolutely fantastic. But the team that I like the most this season, Red Bull-backed RB Leipzig. And in fact, you should be able to go onto the YouTube channel and uh, check out the latest video on... Um, RB Leipzig and what the German club are doing right um, so go over to check that out right now fantastic transition and plug Dave well done they're very good to watch Monaco they have they have like a simple what looks on the surface a simple 4-4-2 but Lamar and Silva come centrally a lot of the time so it becomes more of like a a box if you will like a midfield box and Lamar in particular he's not a bit, a bit like Bakayoko, the way Dave characterised him. Lamar's biggest strength is he's very quick. He can transfer the ball really quickly. He can help them transition quickly. I, th- I think someone like him would be perfect for the Premier League. When I saw him play, uh, playing uh, Tottenham, the thing that frustrated me was sometimes he tries a little bit too much. He obviously, is a young player. Um, mm. and I think his decision-making needs to improve. But when he gets it right, he really gets it right. But when he gets it wrong, he really gets it wrong. So it's one of those things where... 
Um, you know, sometimes when he is going to go try and beat someone one-on-one, a simple pass could do. But, you know, you saw it against Tottenham, he was fantastic in that game. But, but I think Bernardo Silva out of the two, I, I really like Bernardo Silva. He's, he's very, very technically gifted. Reminds me a lot of David Silva when he was coming through mm. at Valencia. Again, another player that Monaco have picked up on the cheap and will will sell for, you know, 40, 50 million quid. That's what I quite admire about Jardim as well. He's got he's got that contrast there that Dave alludes to, that, like, Lamar is a lot more direct, a lot more sort of athletic and physical, whereas Silva's got that little bit of guile and that little bit of craft. So it means they've got slightly different ways to get at you as a team. And I think you look at the ways your man works around Falcao as well, it means that really Falcao doesn't have maybe as much to do as he did at Man United or Chelsea. So his sole focus is just get sort of in that penalty area, that last third, and just score his goals. It's really fun I mean, to watch. Chris, I mean, contrast them with Nice, who are in... They may have been knocked out of second place now. Anyway, they're, they're in the top three. Um, nice have only scored 38. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 see, I see what you mean. The, the thing is, in certain ways, they have similarities because... And and what I would say in, in that respect is you've got Alessandro Play, you've got Willan Cyprian, um, and Balotelli's 26, but you, you know a lot of youngish players, shall we say, that have potential. Playing Cyprian sure. are the two jump outs, um, and Balotelli isn't even the leading scorer for this team anymore. It's actually Play. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Or Play, um, but they play slightly different. They tend to play a four-three-three, and I think. For the most part, that gets a lot out of Balotelli because maybe it doesn't give him, much like Falcao, as much to do um, and it lets him stay central. But I, I just think, in general, the, the thing with Monaco is they're so well-drilled in how to counter-attack. They're, they're so... They just know how to move the ball quickly without being direct. And I think when you have that in your locker... And this is, again... we. Dave and I didn't even mention the likes of Kylian Mbappe, who is in reserve there and looks absolutely fantastic. This kind of Thierry Henry type dribbler who is so quick, again, so direct. They just have a wealth of options, whereas I'm a little bit sceptical if Nice have that. I, I haven't seen mm. that strength and depth from them this season. Disappointing, really, because that short run of games where there was sort of... I mean, they, I think they... Uh, I remember I watched the Nice game where they lost just before... Uh, Christmas and then they had that run when they came back and I think they drew like two two in a row maybe three in a row really should just look these things up um, two in a row three in a row and that's what's taking them at the top of that race now and they would be I mean they'd be a further ahead of this uh, beautiful Monaco side right now if they hadn't have had that run this season in Liga Mbappe has been directly involved in a goal every 68 minutes so he's you know 18 years old but he's making some big big impact mm. He was on by Chelsea actually recently. There's a, it's if you check my timeline, there's a, a really short but insightful profile from Jack Pitbrook on him. Um, he's been trailed for a long time as Mbappe. I think Real Madrid wanted him at one point. Chelsea wanted him, um, but he's he's kind of turned that down to stay with Monaco, believing that he would would have a better chance there. Love Jack Pitbrook, great rare. Go and check him out. Um, big just like other people glasses. It's true. Big question here from Rob Morgan. Who should succeed Arsene Wenger at Arsenal? Um, we've seen potential reports this week that uh, Ralph Hasenhutl has been linked, Dave. Uh, Massimiliano Allegri is someone who's, uh, who's long been rumoured to be a potential successor. We've also got Thomas Tuchel. I mean, who do you think? Bearing in mind, as we've said many times in the past, maybe Arsenal have missed out on some of the ideal names. Who is a potential out- option out there, say, at the end of the season, Dave? I think with Wenger, like, the replacement of Ferguson can't be one man because of what they've done from those, for those clubs because they are you know, governing the transfer policy, youth development. Uh, the first team and, and, and so forth. Or they have a say in youth development, not, you know, not running the thing, but they want a certain style of football. Hassan Hootl is an interesting one at Ingolstadt. Um, his, uh, his team were you know, relegation candidates and he finished 11, then went to Leipzig. And Leipzig play a really good style of football. Again, I've got to plug that video. You've got to check that out. If you want to know about Leipzig, you've got to check that video out because um, they go into the, the formation, some key players and stuff. And Hassan Hootl is the, the first team trainer or the head coach um, in a director of football model with uh, Ralph Ramnick as the, the guy in charge. And, I think with with uh, clubs like Red Bull, in terms of picking out their managers, uh, you know Red Bull Salzburg is another one um, who have a similar similar model. Randnick is the guy that 
is setting the policy, saying we want to play this style of football, we're going to sign these young players and so forth. So if I was Arsenal, I'd be not picking out one of them. I'd take both Hassan Hootl and Rangnick from Leipzig if that's what you're going to go with. You know, the other managers are like, you know, I can't speak much about, you know, enough about how good he is as a manager, how tactically flexible he is as UV team at the moment, the 4-4-2 they're playing or the 4-2-3-1 with the ball. It's fantastic. You know, they're just absolutely tearing up Serie A and they will they'll do very, very well in the Champions League this season just because they've got that defensive structure, but also they've got a little bit more on the counter-attack and impact from the bench with players like Fazo who can come off, you know, the Croatian winger who's a very, very tricky customer. And the ball, there's just a lot of depth there. And I don't think there wouldn't be a reason for him to leave Juve right now. This Juve team is starting to, there's a few young players in there that are coming through right now. Storaro, Rugani, it'd be crazy to, to leave. So that's the problem for me with Arsenal is they've, they've picked the worst time in the world to have Arsene Wenger's contract uh, to be up to this date. Unfortunately, you can't foresee the future when you, you offer him the contract, but they've really had a bit of a stinker now that if he, his contract had ended last season, there were so many good managers available. Ancelotti, Conte, uh, Mourinho, uh, Pep. The list goes on and on and on. Now, they're kind of stuck. Even someone like Lucien Favre, who is at Nice, who we were talking about before, would have been perfect for Arsenal. Good question here from Daniel Pegram. Um, he says, did you start your podding and blogging because you liked football or was journalism the first love? What was the inspiration? Um, I mean, Money, money, money. <laughs> mainly dollar dollar bills money yeah that's what drives us um i mean we've said uh many times before you know we started this podcast because we all sort of met on on football daily weekly back in the day going on what three years ago now maybe longer um and i three? think wow. three wow yeah two two and a half yeah no yeah. we met three years ago yeah yeah no, maybe we've met more Maybe potentially. Um, I can't even remember when we started yeah, that show. But we I, started um, in the beginning of the, it was like August sometime. We, I remember Marcus asked me down. He said, "I've met this production prick, and he really needs some help." Uh, and I was like, "All right, mate, I'll help." <laughs> Sounds about right. Does sound about right. Yeah. But we did all meet on that show, and you know, I thought, you know, we want to keep that conversation going. I was enjoying speaking to you guys every week, so I think uh, I just wanted to keep that going. To be honest. So although football was the first love, you know, it's just sort of, we sort of fell into this. This podcast. I mean, in a broad friendship has kept you in the game. Friendship, um, friend, friendship is the best idea (laughs) of all time in many ways. Um, Wow, Chris. I mean, who am I? (laughs) More generally speaking, uh, football was it the first love or journalism? What was your your sort of inspiration? Football massively. Um, Yeah, it was definitely. I was I was going to do psychology at university at first, um, and then had a massive change of heart like a month before UCAS was due in, which is the university application processor. Um, and yeah, it, that was, that was the driver was, I really like football. What's the way that I can stay in that? Cause I didn't really want to coach and do that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the driver. And then went to uni for, for journalism and uh, yeah, then graduated. And as Dave alluded to instantly started making loads of money. Yeah, like I'm talking like trust money. Sounds right. Sounds about right. Chris, you'd be a great coach. Chris, you'd be a really good coach. You reckon? Hmm. I think I'd I'd like you on my coaching staff. So you're gonna say I'd like you on my bench? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like you on my coaching staff. I'd like coaching staff. I've I've done it very briefly. It's it's good fun, but it was one of those things where I also knew I didn't want to stay in the northeast for the entirety of my life. I knew I wanted to go somewhere. And I wasn't too sure what was the best way to to sort of make that happen. And it seemed like, at least with football writing, you can go to London, you can go to all these places, whereas I didn't know how easy it would be for a coach to move. Sam Nash says, Adam, do you regret Sigurdsson leaving Spurs? His progression over the years from his Reading days has been stunning. Um, not necessarily Sam because I think his departure made room for players like Dele Alli at the same time Pochettino spoke of how uh, he would have loved to have Sigurdsson at the club when we faced Swansea earlier this season I think he gives another option in that attacking sense but I think at the end of the day it was for the best for everyone um G at vast majority 22 says is the art of the free transfer now dead when was the last game-changing freebie fantastic question um the last game-changing freebie. The mind goes back to Andrea Pirlo. Andrea Pirlo. Yeah, that may be the most recent 
game-changing one that had such a well, significant well, impact. I mean, well, 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 John Matip. You can't say no. <laughs> no the jury's on, out. Dave. The jury's out. Yeah, no, no, no. Because the question is, the question is, is the art of the free <laughs> transfer lost? No, there's there's been lots of free transfers. Was was James Milner signed on a free transfer? Yes. Was he? <laughs> yeah, for was 125,000 pounds per week to play central midfield. I've got well it, played, lads. Brendan. I've got it, lads. The other free transfer dead. Zlatan. Best left back in the league. Wasn't it Zlatan? Didn't he move for free? Yeah, but he played against a bunch of farmers in Liga, so he's gonna. Yeah, he's oh. never gonna score twenty league goals. Is that that could potentially be a game-changing freebie? You know, fifteen goals. Which disrespectful goals, prick would say something goal. like that? Yeah. I know. Yeah, absolute racist. <laughs> yeah, Moving this is why this is why Le Pen on. is is thriving. Yeah, people like Adam Boltwood. Dave, this one's for you, mate. Mark Hardingham, how do you think Barcelona should prepare for life after Iniesta? Sign Marco Verratti from PSG for 125,000 million euros. Um, I think it'd be perfect for them in terms of what it could do in the final third. You're more chappy than than Iniesta, but I feel like they need someone big like that. We're seeing how Rakitic hasn't been as good as he has been over the last few seasons. This season, we're seeing Andre Gomez just doesn't like to play a forward pass. Denis Suarez has been in and out recently. He's hit a little bit of form and looked quite good. So maybe a combination of Denis Suarez and Verratti um, as a central midfield pairing, maybe. This is a good, a good question. Each of us need to answer this one. Um, James Halloran said, is there a player in football who you can't understand why everyone else rates them? Now, I'm going to say Meza Ozil, only because, let me caveat that by saying, I understand oh his qualities and mm. uh, I, I know the stats which show why he's such an effective player. But whenever I watch Arsenal, whenever I watch those big games that Arsenal are involved in, he's completely anonymous. So I, I don't ever get to see that for myself. So I'm going to say Meza Ozil. <laughs> Lawrence, got any shouts for a player you just can't understand why everyone else rates them? Um, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because there's... I don't know, I feel like... You, I mean, you know me with rate, overrated and underrated. I'm absolutely fine with it. You love that. Uh, it's your favourite question. It's my favourite rating system. Um, no one's ever just rated this over or under. But this is a little... Yeah. It's worded slightly different than this one, you know? Everyone else rates them. Can you just not understand that? I'm just trying to think. Who, who have I watched where I thought, he's dog shit, and everyone else is going, he's amazing. Um... Dave, have you got any shouts? I don't know. You, te- you tend to be able to see it, don't you? Marcus Rojo at left fullback. Absolutely shite. Good at centre-back. Very, very good centre-back. But as a right. left fullback, fucking rubbish. Uh, <laughs> good shout. Um, Chris? Sorry, I missed the question. Is there any Brilliant. players in football who you can't understand why everyone else rates them? You've, you're looking at them going, uh, oh, what's this lad no. about? Well, no one that jumps out. <laughs> I like that. Like, like honestly, even like Ozil, he produces a lot of assists. And they, uh, maybe Ramsey a little bit sometimes. I think. Oh, I yeah. think no one rates Ramsey. To be fair, um, he's shit. Lawrence, last chance. Still no one. Just no. Uh, there are players that I rate that people think are bad, um, but I guess that's sort of. Joel oh, Two good questions from Dave. Matt. You said he was a great signing on this podcast, don't you? <laughs> I'm just, just, just doing it to wind you up, mate. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop it now. Two right. really good questions from Triggered. Uh, Matt Brownie Cake. Joel Matty. First up, I would like to know which league Chris Hennage thinks MLS is most like and if they would surpass it in the next decade. It's most which, like MLS, mate. Yeah, is there a league that you could compare MLS Championship, to? I would say. Ooh. It's, it's fast, it's aggressive. Um, it's it's definitely not got the quality of the Premier League yet, um, but it has those physical traits. Do you, I think it becomes better than the Championship? In the was it the next ten years they said, or did I add that? No, bit? yeah, decade. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, I know how long a decade is. <laughs> no, I'm saying that was yeah, ten years. That's, that's saying, almost you're 10 right. Years. He said a decade. Um, you're saying ten years. It does become better than Championship. I think it at least matches the word. I, I I don't I don't know if it surpasses it. I think it matches it because um, at the minute it's it's a the thing is with MLS the the quality of players is, is wide ranging. You can get guys that can play in the Premier League, and I've definitely pitched players to agents, teams, all that kind of stuff who could play in the Premier League. But there are also players that I think would struggle in League One. It's a very wide uh, 
the scale. Mm, Matt also says, Lawrence, can we agree that this Gary Neville thing is a typical fan overreaction and has been blown out of all proportion just to create clickbait? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, there's, there are, you know, there's a victim, a bit of a victim thing going on there. I suppose it is, you know, it works for one side more than it does the other. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I, I do think that uh, fan channels do feel a bit uh, ostracized from the mainstream. So maybe they've got a point, but it's not, you know, we don't need to make it the story. I smell a bonus podcast. Um, yeah. So I think I think uh, Robbie just farted. <laughs> Dylan Arvella says, AG, which I assume means Antoine Griezmann, for £80 million to Manchester United, Dave, or would you rather see that money spent on a Michael Carrick replacement? Dylan says he'd go for the latter. Mm. Nah, Ooh. Antoine Griezmann. What if, I, got skills. what if I said that Antoine Griezmann was a bald fraud, Dave? I'd say you're an idiot. Quite fair enough. I mean, you watch uh, the uh, Atletico Barca game. Actually, we haven't really touched on in the uh, Copa del Rey. Um, mm. Atletico getting knocked out, so in pretty controversial um, way. In a way, Griezmann scored uh, when the game was one nil to Barcelona, and it was ruled offside. But in fact, Gerard Piquet was playing him onside. A brilliant first touch, a fantastic finish. He then um, then Kevin Gramero won a penalty, and Atletico haven't been scoring penalties for the, this season at all. Griezmann's missed them. Now Gramero missed one, you know, five, I think counted off the bar. But then the the goal that Atletico scored, Griezmann, Jesus, unbelievable composure. His first touch is like is just like next level. Brings the ball down within the penalty area. Instead of going for goal, slips it across to uh, Kevin Gramero, who slots it away. But it's a fantastic run, a brilliant touch, and a great composure. And that is what Antoine Griezmann is. Can get in behind you, can kill the ball, and then he makes the right decision. Mm, people should go and watch the latest uh, scout report, shouldn't they, Dave? On oh, the front three so. on YouTube, especially yeah. people who may be or work with beer companies, because yeah. we're looking for a beer. We're looking for an official beer sponsor. We'll be willing to push you yep. every single episode. We love beer on YouTube. Um, Joe Hamlin Jesus. confusingly says Hawaiian gigs or pepperoni. Ooh. What? I, I do I do I've got to admit, Adam, the only reason I go for gigs is because I'm currently on a diet and I do love a cheat day. You're right. on a diet? It all makes sense. No, it's just a long joke, Chris, about all having right. a cheat day so on trying gigs. <laughs> Sorry. <You> see? <laughs> yeah, is uh you're you're not on form say, Lawrence. The the jokes are a little bit laboured, is what I'm gonna say. Um Adam, fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm joking. Yeah, um, that one was funny. That was pretty good. To be fair. It was, was good, it was it to was the point. Delivered. It was to the yeah, point. That's what it's about. Like um, a pepperoni pizza. John Shin. Um, well, how would a pepperoni pizza taste, guys? Ooh. Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. Arguably Underrated. the topping. Uh, 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 well, yeah, good point. Yeah. Arguably the topping wouldn't cover the whole pizza, and we'd need to keep topping it up every Very few. Very true. Um, John Shin. Uh, who I hope's having a, a lovely time in San Francisco, I believe. Wonderful city. He said, if the front three were to go away on a trip together, oh, where man, would I they go to and why? Ah. What do we think, eh? Obviously, we'd be going to, uh, I assume, you know, like a European footballing city. Oh, okay. Um, or, or elsewhere. I mean, what do you reckon, Lawrence? Well, I wanted to go to a little footballing island, Adam, and sort of uh, go and explore, like, uh, you know, football in the sand and stuff. Like the Caribbean somewhere? Wow. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be a Caribbean. It could be the jewel of the Atlantic Ocean, Chris Bermuda. But, I mean, wherever we want, really. <laughs> Can we use that one for the tourist board? Uh, <laughs> Funny you say that, actually. David, Dave, you got any shouts for where, you know, the squad should be uh, going on a trip together? Where, where are um, our Malia? Oh, God. Go why, why am I not surprised that we're going to watch Iron Apper FC when Dave yeah. books the trip? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Magaluf. All the stars are there, right? Let's have a big weekend, lads. You know, forget about football for one weekend. Let's forget it. Let's go and do something else. You know, fine, Atlanta. Ooh, okay. Uh, pretty sure there's football there, then. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Soccer, mate. Yeah. Soccer. Um, question from that. United Sorry, did you guy. answer that, Adam? Where would you go? 
Uh, I think I'd like to go to... On a serious note. Lake District. (sighs) This is Lake District. Uh, I've already I've been to Milan before. Uh, I would like to go to Germany. I think you know we'd Munich, get a nice maybe? yeah we'd get a nice mix of uh, football and drinking. My two favourite pastimes. So I think that would be a nice you know Venn diagram of activities. I'll throw it back at you, mate, and say let's go Berlin instead. Boom. Why better? Yeah, better. Better night out. Um, a bit more of a fun. I found it more fun, but like a a bit more real. The city. I like it. Many it's a, bit, a better feel to it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, here's another good question from Izzy Savine Laclaus. What game are you looking forward to most over the weekend? Um, what name was that? That's her name, Izzy Savine Laclaus. It's a, it's a name, mate. It's a name. It's a good name. It's a great name. With, with um, the wrench in the library. Yeah. <laughs> um, apart from Liverpool Spurs, are there any uh, standout games this weekend, Dave? That we should be uh, should be keeping an eye out for. You know, I had a look, and there isn't that much quality in, in Europe. You know, big dogs playing each other. I think Juve are playing on Sunday evening against someone. Um, playing against Cat Good. Is it Cat Sunday evening? Yeah. So that's mm. not even that good. Yeah. There's not a lot of like maybe Wolfsburg versus Hoffenheim. That could be quite an interesting <laughs> one with the new Wolfsburg manager. Hoffenheim are always quite good to watch. Uh, but yeah, it's all pretty much good team versus weak team this weekend oh, in Europe's top five leagues. Burnley versus Chelsea would be an interesting one. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe maybe at two uh, thirty, watch Leverkusen versus Frankfurt. That could be quite a good one as well for the niche football fans out there. Could be a tasty oh, one. Um, or your team, Dave RB Leipzig. Versus, yeah, the, the, uh, Hamburg. Your team. Hamburg. Yeah, the lads. <laughs> David Shanahan said, what are your thoughts on the Stranger Things trailer for season two? Great With question, David. Upside down. Um, are we fans of Stranger Things season one? I've not watched it. Is it good? For me, it's pretty good. It doesn't live up to the hype. I think, uh, you know, it's it's a lot it's of no style over substance for me. And it is yeah. no Westworld. But it was entertaining. Um, and I'm looking forward to the second season. The trailer looks intriguing. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. We shall see. But... It's no Westworld. Um, that was a great show. I, I, no, I, it's it made Halloween. Me think. That's ages away. Yeah, no, but I think uh, I Super hype, Bowl. Sort of the means, hype going yeah, now. Super Bowl, isn't it? Um, what about uh, what about if you had to play football upside down? Would that change anything? Of course, it mm, would change quite a lot. Uh, very difficult. Very difficult. Is offside onside? I don't know. Uh, that United guy said, "Are you guys on SoundCloud?" No, we're not on SoundCloud. We, we are used on to be. Acast, the number one podcast hosting service in the world, I want to say. Um, so you can listen to us. If you can't listen to us through iTunes uh, on the podcast app on your phones, you can listen to us through the Acast app. And I'm also looking into getting us on the official Android podcast app, which I think is is a new thing. Um, we are. Uh, we're also going to be on Spotify at some point. No. Are we? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. We We're not on Spotify yet, but we have won't. made it in many ways. Um final question also this week. not in many ways. Uh, final question is from Alan Tobin. This isn't the final question. I'm just going to say My favorite one. author. Alan Tobin said, "Why does Adam sound so deduct- <laughs> seductive when he's introducing <laughs> Lawrence, Dave, and Chris?" <laughs> It's a great question. I prefer um, deductive. Uh, <laughs> it's a great question. I'm trying to draw the audience in, you know. I'm putting on a smooth voice in order for, to make your viewing, exp- your listening experience more pleasurable, <laughs> you know, keep you engaged. That's, that's why. I mean, Adam, I wouldn't even it, say seductive. How do, how do your voice, because your voice does change throughout the podcast. It sort of becomes a bit more comical towards the end. So a bit, a bit more like that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So it starts off kind of... Um, it becomes hey, George Formby at the end. Is hey, that what you're saying? Hey, guys. Adam here. Uh, oh, there was a day when... Uh, hey, ooh. And then throughout the podcast, it sort of becomes a bit more... Hey, I'm Adam Lee. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what to say, how to even respond to that, Lawrence. I think that's fake news um, in many ways. And that right, is Jen. where we are going to end the podcast um actually that's where we're gonna end the podcast <laughs> final, final question next week we're all gonna to pretend to be each other for an hour final question is from tdz he says 
favourite candy? This is the question I was alluding to earlier with the Crunchy Lawrence. You know, it's coming back. Clever. Cyclical, it's like poetry, ending it with something from the start or something like that. Um, what is your favourite candy, Lawrence? Is it a Crunchy Bar that people are dying to know? It is a Crunch Bar. A what now? Crunch. What's a Crunch? Yeah. Uh, it's just like a, it's chocolate, but with like a crunchy sort of rice in it. It's quite nice. I thought you were going to say jam in the middle. I was about to go mental. Um, Chris, oh, what's God, your favourite candy? Um, uh, just like standard dairy milk, really. Standard dairy milk, mate. Oh, great. Uh, Dave, have you got a favourite candy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Uh, defining candy, right? Is candy not like sweets? I think, so it, I think in this case, we're talking like the American sense, which is all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. It's got to be sweets, mate, that. Candy sweets for me. But this is, um, um, for that, I'd say Tantastic Haribos are sick in the head. Not bad. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Skittles and Opal Fruits, as they will forever be known. Uh, great candy. So there you have it, guys. That is... The Front Free Q&A podcast. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. You can get yours in for next week at The Front Free on Twitter. Um, until Monday, when we'll be back with our weekend review, as always, Chris Hennage, where can the whole find you this week? What should they be looking at of your work, of your musings? Uh, this week I wrote about David Beckham's attempts to bring soccer to Miami and how that's not going so well for him. And then today we just dropped something on the Chinese Super League and why maybe you should be a little bit worried about it. Is that on our Twitter feed? Can you even find a link to that on our Twitter feed? They will be run through our Twitter feed within the next 20 minutes. So speaking retrospectively, yes. 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 <laughs> uh, speaking from the future, yes. Dave, uh, what should people be checking out of your work this week? Well, I haven't said it enough. Go and bloody go onto the YouTube channel and watch that bloody RB Leipzig video because it's sick in the head, all right? I mean, that was quite a plug. Uh, Lawrence? Sick in the head. Um, uh, yeah, head over to the YouTube channel, I think, because there's going to be some other stuff that's sick in the head. Go and watch the we've got Scout a, we, Report as well. Uh, yeah, the Scout Report. We've got a lot of stuff that's banged up. Like, we've got so much stuff that's sort of ready to go out. That's the issue. So much good that's ready to come there's a video of jimmy comrade just sitting there waiting to come out so oh, back it up um guys could you go and check out as a veteran i live with health impacts from my service va healthcare means you're in 100 control of your own medical care your own benefits and it only takes minutes to set up a veteran should enroll in va healthcare because it ensures that they get quality high level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then, my benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Stop talking to subscribe. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. 